Just like when you're that guy at work who really screwed up, but everyone's kind of being cool about it because, you know, it's a little awkward. It's V'ger, please. A heinous trip at Warp 5. My name is Joseph. And I also am known to forget my cell phone from time to time. Your co-host, Peter. Peter, um, we've done our shilling. We've done our new Trek discussion. Is there anything you want to talk about before we get into this episode? Uh, I think we should go back to the BitLocker. There's now been... Yes! First, let's let's publicly shame. There was, in fact, someone out there who knew the star date for fucking Undiscovered Country. I don't know if we should name them or not, or or let them... We will allow their shame to remain entirely on the Feature Please Trauma Support Group, which you should join. (laughs) As a pitch. I know. It's Facebook. And Facebook is where your cringe aunts and uncles unload their ice-cold political takes... And where your sister posts pictures of your niece. Uh, But it's also where you can have the only good Star Trek conversation to be had on the internet. So you should join. It's available through our V'ger Please Facebook page. You can always just hit me up at V'gerplease at gmail.com if you somehow need help to join. But seriously, join. You can see who it is who outed themselves for knowing the exact start date from Star Trek VI. Which even I, a giant fan of Star Trek VI, did not know. So that guy... He's a bigger loser than me. <laughs> All right. So uh, here we go back to the old bit locker. All right. Let's try it. Let's see if we can get at least one of these. All about trivia. Star Trek. This is original series. You can play along at home and see if you guys can beat Joe. Uh, last time that green card was the super hard. Fuck you. That was uh, the star date for yeah, Kirk's final entry. This time the green entry. Are you ready for this? Ready. Starfleet General Order Number One is also known as uh, the Prime Directive. <laughs> how how perfect for our episode! Oh yeah, it is. Hey, look at that! I didn't, oh, my goodness. I didn't mean for it to to play into that. Um, no, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> what it? You get to keep going now. Uh, yeah, I do. I do. I understand. Finish this quote from Kirk. The best defense is a strong offense, and I intend to start blank. This is from The Empath. A good defense is a strong offense, and I plan to go on offense? No, I plan to start offending right now. That's some real boomer shit for you. Yeah, okay. I plan to start offending. That's a much better line. Let's do the rest of them, though. I know I failed, but let's do the rest of the card. That's a good one. You should get that tattooed on your arm. You're you're, you're good. to start offending? I do do that a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I instigate. This is going to be from the Nakey time. The Naked time. Uh, What is an intermix formula? A Naked time. So this was the one where they all got drunk on the polywater nonsense and I don't know what is it. This is I'm sorry there's there's a, a paragraph answer for this. <laughs> if you've never heard about all about trivia, it's for a good reason. It, it, this is terrible. Here we go. <clears throat> a mathematical determination of the manner in which matter and antimatter will be brought together to produce the energy required for warp space. Spock and Scotty come up with a new formula based on a theoretical relationship between time and antimatter. Uh, the original fucking techno babble. I love it. Mm-hmm. More on this card? Uh, until Spock enlightens him, how does Kirk assume that the Vulcans choose their mates? This is from Amuck Time. I think he says the way anyone else would. He says logically. 
logically. No, okay, yeah. That makes sense. It was it was some pithy line, right? Like, he's mm. got a little... I can even see the scene where he's got that little s- stupid grin on his face. Well, that's know. interesting that it's... Uh, that the, the name of that episode was a muck time because it was Spock and muck was the Strange New Worlds one that focused on his relationship. And it actually did have that scene at the beginning that was the homage to the um, amok time, you know, American gladiators fight. Mm-hmm. With where he's the, fighting uh, himself. Where, yeah, he's fighting the Vulcan version of himself while the human version of himself. All and right, even did the music. You know? Yeah. Here's the last one. What battle took place in a region of space under the dispute between the Klingon Empire and the United Federation of Planets? This is, uh, again, Trouble of Tribbles. They go deep with Trouble of Tribbles. The battle? Yep. I'll give you a hint. It happened in 2242. Battle of Axanar? Battle of Don 25. Okay. If you got yeah. all those questions right, uh, give yourself a pat on the back and then go in the mirror and watch yourself cry. If you got all those right, you may need a device to pat yourself on the back because I'm going to presume that you're a, a, a neckbeard... That puts all others to shame. Yeah. Uh, but we're happy to have you. As we, we are. Do we are. But I am going to make fun of you. <laughs> as we trek towards season two, episode eight, The Communicator, this one came out November 13th, 2002. Story by Rick Berman and Bran Braga, telepay by Andre Boramis, and directed by James Conter. You know, the low expectations being what they are, like, I, I'm somewhat relieved that we had a a medium episode to review. It felt like a f- breath of fresh air just to have something that didn't offend me. Yeah, so this is like where we would be in Voyager, where all of a sudden it's like, I do not know if this is an okay episode or if I'm just happy that I'm not getting raked over hot coals while someone slams my dick in a car door. Yeah, like, okay, so none of our female cast members were sexually exploited. Uh, Archer doesn't act like a complete man-child. And the decisions made by most everyone is contained within a sphere of logic that I can buy into. There's some continuity. Is this a C plus or a B? Is this a C minus or a B plus? I don't know, but I'm just satisfied I'm not getting kicked in the balls. Like, yeah, that's where I'm at with it. Absolutely. Um, so as I'm sitting there pondering what my true thoughts are, because now I'm, I'm tracking all the episodes, right? I've got mm-hmm. my little chart. It's a five point chart. And then I try and like put a note how much action I felt was in it. I'm trying to calibrate my grading scale in my head on this. And if we go back to a theme that was more prevalent in the first season, which was like, the building blocks of an away team mission of setting up the core rules for what does it mean to trek through the stars Mm -hmm. as a Starfleet ship. Uh, If you frame this as a tent pole uh, episode about how the prime directive came to be, you get some cool world building. If you're looking at this episode just as, uh, was this entertaining TV? Was this good TV? Eh. There was enough going on that I felt engaged. I did not regret my experience watching it. I cared about the characters' feelings about things. 
but the feelings were very mild, you know, like obviously the, the false stakes problem of a show of a serialized show like this is always going to be present. So like is Archer are Archer and Reed ever in any real danger? No, let's let's talk that real quick. It's a small cast on this show. It's the same as Voyager, right? There's not a big secondary cast that we have been exposed to at this point. You're basically dealing with the bridge crew. Uh, a, just a sprinkling of Shran and every couple of episodes you get to see Admiral Forrest, right? And basically, that's about yes. it for the regulars. And um, Ambassador um, Saval. Sure. Mm-hmm. Now you contrast that with next gen or specifically original series. And certainly we're not dealing with every episode's the the heydays of Game of Thrones where anybody could die, right? Mm-hmm. Kasha Yar died. Um, you know, they swapped out Jedzia Dax or whatever. So it can happen. Uh, but you're not expecting it. Original series, red shirts, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think that's what's really missing from Enterprise in terms of a lot of these plots is that, as we've said in Minefield and a couple of these, you know, what was a dead stop? Like you knew Mayweather wasn't going to, as much as I wanted him just to be left behind with his brain getting sucked out through a straw, it's not going to happen. Had they been sprinkling red shirts in along the ways for them to die? I think that would have really addressed the suspension of disbelief that we're being asked yeah, on a lot of these episodes. Like, if it was like Fred Durst's or whatever, like the guy was named Durst, but Remember, he was in like one episode of Voyager and he kind of like established he had a couple lines. Uh-huh. He was a dude and then he showed up in faces with his face having ripped, been ripped off or whatever. And it's like, oh, I fucking knew that guy. <laughs> He's dead now. So uh, there, there's you feel it a little bit more because you're like, oh, I remember that guy from the prior episode and now he's dead. Mm, that sucks. Or just somebody said someone paid a price. There were stakes. They were realized to a certain level. Voyager which was terrible for continuity and was terrible for any sort of lasting consequence, right? Photon torpedoes inventory levels would change with the wind. We went through 600 shuttlecraft, large swaths of the ship were blown up. They were fixed the next episode, whatever, but crew death was kind of that, that, commodity they did they never really recruited heavily from foreign or from alien species you never saw the Kazon, right uh you know they didn't there were a hundred i don't know there were dozens of characters that would have been great additions to the crew that they just simply didn't so minus uh what was the evil star trek or i'm sorry the the starfleet that was burning up space cats to go oh uh, the equinox equinox (laughs) the the uactel tech express that was the one example where they got a legit crew restock. And other than that, you know, it was what, 100 or so people on the ship, maybe 120. It was like 130 after you added in all of the, the um, Maquis people. And it, it's true. That is the one resource that Voyager spent somewhat responsibly and were consistent about. It was the manpower issue. Everything and- else was kind of disposable to the writer's room, but that was not. And listen, I don't need even you to have peril and stakes for 
the main characters that you know I'm I know you're not going to kill off or even background characters. I have to just care about what's going on in the story and that there's tension and then there could be like W's or L's handed out depending on what goes on. And that's kind of the spot where this this episode doesn't quite get there. It tries. It makes an effort beginning, middle, and even at the end to try and convey that there are stakes beyond just do Archer and Reed survive, which you know they do. But I, I compare it to like an episode like Blood Oath from DS9, which I know you haven't seen, but like for those of you out there who have, like that's an episode where you know Jadzia is not going to die, but you there's a lot of shit that could be <laughs> that's going on here. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens, right? Like that's an episode that has stakes and this one is trying to have stakes and it just doesn't. Um, no. And, you know, to the to the end, just real quick, if there was crew that had been dying in the background or did die on it because they do have strong continuity in Enterprise, those deaths can weigh on the characters. Yeah. What if and Cream of Color died? I mean, oh, you know, uh, Archer can be like, we need to have rules so we don't repeat these mistakes. You know, every time I think about this, I think about crewman so-and-so. Yeah, um, I agree. And again, Voyager and Enterprise have a lot in common, and that is it is the ship way the fuck out there. It is far away from home base. They can't just go back to Starbase and resupply easier. That was like the craziest part of this episode for me is when we find out like, yeah, they, they have not really been back home i guess if they have the things in their inventory which we will find out <laughs> when they're like yeah we got that sh- cell shuttle so i was like what what yeah where would they have left it they still have it <laughs> they don't go back to earth until the end of season two they they're out there you know yeah, yeah. so uh we open with them visiting another planet and that is going to turn out to be what at first I assumed to be the planet of the 37s because they're getting off that shuttle pod. Oh, my gosh. What a vacation that was. That was so great. Did you see that architecture? What a rousing speech. Here's all this cool stuff that we conveniently didn't have to budget for at all. Oh, you need to go check it out. It was Hoshi. It was Reed. And it was Archer. And it's a very sensible trio to bring down to what was apparently the observation of a pre-warp civilization. You've got captain you've got your tactical officer to you know watch your back and you have your translator that can help you understand the local language just in case your technology fails you perfect right and so they're all like going through they get off of the shuttle pod they go into their decontamination room you don't have to see everyone with their clothes off that's why do you think that is is it because it's not girl girl boy it's boy boy girl almost almost certainly Mm-hmm. Almost certainly, like too much sausage. Moving along, I like Flox's little naughty Porky's peephole that he can like peek in the room. Yeah. Oh <laughs> no! Everyone's got their clothes on. Oh Ooh. no! It's two guys and one girl. All right, you guys can get out. Uh, they are in the also in the process of. We'll find out that cosmetic surgery in Archer's time boils down to stickers. It's just some latex, <laughs> it's not surgery. It's just, it's just the makeup department. Nope. It's, they are 
taking off all their gear. And that is when, you know, Malcolm, who was being very happy about the fact that he got this to do this, realizes he does not have his communicator. That is the plot. He does not have it. And when they cut back to the show, it is them, you know, rooting for everything, making sure that it wasn't something that is anywhere but on the planet, which they have determined quickly to be the case, particularly after uh, Hoshi goes back up to the uh, bridge and narrows down, like based on the readings, this is where it is. Here's the infuriating part of this episode for me, because Reed lost his phone, right? Yes. And yeah. what do you do when you lose your phone? You turn on find my phone. You have your wife call your phone. That's true. <laughs> that is first step. The fact they're like, I'm spending an hour plus looking around the decontamination room, tearing the shuttle pod apart, pulling this apart, checking behind these tables. Like, Hoshi, call my communicator. <laughs> call the phone. Do you hear it chirping? No, fuck, it's down on the surface. That's all you got to do. And there, There's a classic trope here where Malcolm Reed, because we're both people who supervise people at our employment, and we both mm-hmm. know the look on someone's face when they know they fucked up and they feel bad and they they don't like that they fucked up and they're really fucking hard on themselves and it's like you know that it's it's it has there's a certain level of endearing to it because you want people to always you know take ownership of their mistakes but at a certain point you have to like tell them like i acknowledge that you are taking ownership but we got to fucking fix this problem like you can you we can you can flagellate yourself later like Got it. It's gone. It's fine. We're in the situation we're in. Obviously, we all wish that this didn't hadn't hadn't happened, but we got to move on because we got to fix it. Right. So again, in the framework of a uh, a world builder episode, we got a lot of good stuff going on here. Uh, <laughs> there's no procedure. There's no SOP yet for like checking equipment before the shuttle departs. Uh, for having some sort of protocol where left behind technology once it gets X amount of miles away from the shuttle will like self-detonate or you know kill itself or whatever melt yeah uh how do we go back down and deal with this and then we're going to start getting into like cultural contamination stuff also real nice um rich or vein of i told you so's coming out of to paul through this thing it's on the surface this is some classic season one enterprise stuff which is probably why this episode didn't suck in total ass (laughs) Put put your finger on that. How season one of a Star Trek show can be markedly better than a season two. I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. Um, okay, we got to go back down. Hey, tell uh, Flocks he needs to get that um, that little girl sparkle sticker book back out. We need we need some more. <laughs> and I need him to be like. Tattoos. I need a flocks to be like, really? You couldn't have checked your pockets before you guys peeled all that shit off your head. You're having to go back with my easy bake oven and make all these extra foreheads. You motherfuckers. Well, knowing flocks, he's got like some fucking spider that looks like a, the mouth of a thousand horrors that shits them out for him. Yeah, that would be a uh, genre. So uh, this time going back down, Hoshi's staying up in the top and it's going to be Archer and Reed. They set the shuttle pod down and the planet is, I think, supposed to be in a pre-World War II, verge of World War II sort of era of technology. Minus Uh, the 
fighter planes having yeah. laser guns. The fighter planes having turbo jet like looking they look like ME two six twos. Like those early like World War II scramjets and they shoot what look like shitty lasers. But the ground troopers look like heavily discounted SS troopers. Yes. Literally wielding German guns. Because it was like an MP five with a G three stock and a and a drum magazine was like the rifle. It was it was a kit bashed actual gun that was actually all German guns. And these dudes are like very deeply like these are dollar store Nazis. But not yeah. but you, without the like the they're dollar store stormtroopers. We'll say that because yeah. there's there's no sense of ideology in this episode whatsoever. So I don't want to color them with Nazi. We have no idea if they actually have jackboots. You know, these could be the good guys as far as we're, we're aware. These- well, I'm going to go based on the fact that they go so easily towards an execution to say that these hey, guys. No, the U.S. hang spies in World War Two. They hang spies. You hang spies in war. It's actually not the sign of villainy. The, the, in, in the Revolutionary where they hung uh, Major Andre. <laughs> I don't you know? know if I can go down this. But they they go, hmm, uh, well, uh, I'll dispute your your assertions a little later on, all right? Okay, okay, fair enough. There, we'll there could it. be enough for villainy that we can say there's a jackboot there. So they go down. But they, a me being sympathetic to a jackboot's fine. <laughs> That's on brand. <laughs> they land the shuttle. They hoof it back over. There's a little pub that they had dinner in. That's where they think the tri- uh, the communicator might be. They sit down at the booth they were supposed to. Uh, we notice that's the first time we see the local establishment, right? The mm-hmm. the low end grunts sitting at their own table, eating. I see their their minimalist standing collars. I go, all right, we're dealing with space fastest, so I'm sure there's going to be some punching here very soon. There's an awkward looking exchange between. Archer and Reed as like Archer tries to hide the fact that Reed just went under the table between his legs. <laughs> Give him a little quick uh pre pre-dinner blowy. Oh no, Captain, I can't find it. It's not on the floor. That's when this nosy barkeep comes over and starts asking, Hey, where's your hot friend at? <laughs> yeah, like I guess there is female objectification, but it's in the absence. It's like I wanted to hit on this weird and on, on, on this, uh, you know, we don't have Asians in this planet. So I was very intrigued. Um, they, you know, they order some local liquor, uh, but the bartenders like giving the high sign to the the SS troopers that are at their table. They then Archer and Reed then get up from their table and walk into this random hallway where they think past the, the beaded is. curtain. Yeah. And then just like. There's no one else around. It's the barkeep. It's the it's the SS guys, and it's them. So they're just very obviously going in there, and then very obviously coming out. And they don't go into the door where the communicator is because there's two people there. So they're like, oh, well, let's go back to our table. And then they come out, and then the SS guys get up. and like, it's time for a fight. <laughs> they go to walk back to the table. The military guys stand up. Archer kind of looks at Reed. And when I say kind of, like his head turns somewhat in Reed's directions and then both Reed and Archer just lunge forward with punches and kicks at these guys and just totally assault the shit out of these guys before getting guns pulled on them and dragged back to the room where they thought the communicator was. 
one, this is the worst version of the Inglorious Bastards bar scene of all time. You know, that's basically what it is. And two, given that Reed has a gun, the fact that they decide to start punching these guys seems a bit odd. I like in this episode that you can, and I think you can see Archer through the episode, just going back and replaying almost every action he took and being like, uh, that there were so many better ways I could have done that. Like, <laughs> yes, it's not comically stupid. The, the choices they make, but again, as a world builder, this is the first time we've been in this scenario. Um, I think all of the mistakes are plausible and realistic. Yeah. This is a tolerable version of Archer. This is Archer on a learning curve of like, no, there's no book on this. I got to figure out how to do this. And therefore making mistakes and fucking up is perfectly reasonable because his actions are perfectly reasonable. But so the idea that, that he has Reed bring a gun, Reed doesn't use it. And then they get captured and they get their communicators, their scanners and Reed's gun taken from them is the, is like a, well, we probably shouldn't have brought more stuff. <laughs> like we should have brought like one communicator and one scanner. And then like, just in case we got fucking busted, trying to get this thing. We're not just like Archer getting interrogated as they're pulling all of his shit out of his pockets. And now there's two communicators and all the other stuff. Like, well, that escalated quickly. <laughs> they have like a very brief discussion with him. And then like, we'll take him away to be interrogated. Uh, but our our proto space fascists have no idea what they're about to get themselves into because they intend to use punching Archer in the face as a method <laughs> to get their way. Little do they know they are merely making his dick rock hard the entire yeah. time because that is this man's fetish. Classic rookie mistakes on these 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 nub space Nazis. Um, who is the guy who plays? the i don't know the the sergeant oh yeah like this the second in command nazi he seemed familiar his voice in particular uh his name was tim kellner i believe you are remembering him from survival instinct he was one of the borg from okay from the no social distancing that's what i knew him from he's the one that wanted to go off and be an artist by himself because one guy just wanted to do drugs and and screw hookers until he died. There was the Bajoran uh, from Wolf 359. And then there was this guy who just missed his parents. Yeah, he, he wound up like going to a planet to like just hang out amongst nature until he fucking died. But yeah, this guy has been on some episodes of Trek before. Uh, and he is the backup. He's the second in command Nazi in this and so they lay all this stuff out and they're like what is this stuff and we are going to move into archer's go-to de-escalation tool in this which is just saying absolutely nothing which again i think uh the actions he takes especially through these interrogations are all pretty defensible so they go all right um off you go we're gonna send you to camp warhammer minis we get a sky view of the command center they're being taken to. And it just looks like, like someone has a, 
a, a Warhammer game. They're playing like a tabletop game. Mm-hmm. And this is like the cool environment. They're going to stage soldiers yeah. all over. Yeah. The, your, your space Marine squad's going to totally get half cover by this thing. And that's about <laughs> all it means. So the, the B plot is actually a little intriguing, which is of course the jailbreak and score one for jailbreaks here in Star Trek. And it is that they're like, okay, they've been captured. We figured out that they've been caught. Um, what are we going to do? How are we going to bust them out of whatever fucking situation they're in without making things worse? And that one is when Trip is like, yo, hey, um, remember from the pilot of this show when we got uh, that cool cloaking ship that we got from the Sulban? Remember that? I well, didn't we still, remember that. I thought that I didn't remember it either. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I do remember that episode. You still have that? And he literally, like, literally, like, looks into the camera. Yes, I still have that. I've been working on it the whole time. What? Where else would it be but here? I'm gonna go on a ledge, and I'm gonna say that Archer has, in fact, never filed a single fucking report with Forrest, because I have to think that if Starfleet knew that Enterprise had a fucking ship that could turn invisible and go fast as hell and have all this other sweet technology, he'd be like, yeah, why don't you go and swing by Earth and drop that bad boy Yeah, off? like, you don't have to stay. Just just pop the trunk. We'll come out. We'll grab it. And you can just go. You know, like, we're not trying to impede your progress here. My this mind is, is really in up all around. Out. I'm not going to go backwards through all of the previous episodes, but all the times they've gotten their asses kicked or there's been some other dire circumstance where they have been outclassed or had to sneak past something like jump to fucking desert crossing when they had to sneak down to the surface to go fucking rescue Arch. I mean, I guess it makes sense because Trip was on the surface there, but like this was a hell of a fucking uh, a card to pull out of your back pocket here. I'm dumbfounded that this thing's just been hanging around the Enterprise collecting dust. I will put out to our trauma support group since I've already pitched for people to join it this week. Uh, I I will personally... Oh, homework. Yeah, no, I will personally purchase and ship to the the member of the trauma support group a, a Vigipli sticker from Zephus.store, our, our, our storefront, the first member who can come up with a not the first, the best. Okay, you're right. The best example, as judged by me and me alone, the because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm the one buying it, so I get to choose. Um, example of the episode of Enterprise that came before this one, where this thing should have come up, where the the fact that they still had this fucking thing should have come up. The best example of that gets the sticker of my choice shipped to their door. Provided they want to provide their address. If you don't, you want to, you know, you need to donate $5 to a charity or something. That's fine. But there it is. There it is. One sticker available to, to one of our fans. Go, go. I, I believe in all of you. Probably not all of you. Actually, I believe in like 18, 19 of you. Like the ones that I think are like deep. You know, you're one of you are going to get it. You're going to set a uh, time limit on this so all the people listening to this six years from now know that they're <laughs> not eligible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not eligible after the year 2022. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, my, my jaw's on the floor as I'm watching him disclose that they not only do they have this fucking ship, but he can kind of get the cloak to work. Yeah. Uh, and let's just flesh out the B plot real quick. 
Um, he grabs Mayweather. They go down. They start trying to work on this thing. Mayweather, unfortunately, has lines this week, which is just a real downgrade. I didn't think anything he did was offensive in this. It wasn't offensive, but it was he had that like terrible like joke after Tripp's arm gets cloaked. <laughs> like, oh, I'm becoming handy when you come uh, if, if you ever get a date to come with you to movie night. Well, I think if you've got an invisible hand, you don't need a date anymore. You've got the perfect stranger going right there. Well, no, your cock is still visible. It's just I know, but you can't not. see your hand, so it's a stranger. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so that was a big red herring for me. Okay, so so what happens is Tripp's trying to get this thing to work. He goes in there. He takes a butter knife. He jams it in the electrical socket. There's a huge wave of energy, and the shuttle like hits a toolbox and his right arm with some fucking gamma radiation, only instead of turning into the Hulk, his arm and his jumpsuit turn invisible. And I'm like, well, okay, clearly in this episode, certainly they can't get this ship to work because that would just be ridiculous. This thing's been laying around this, the super attack stealth fighter. So what they're going to do is they're going to like jerry rig this ship to like finish hitting trip and turn trip into the invisible man. And we're going to have like, an invisible man jailbreak and there'll be like comedy beats and like keys floating through the air and like <laughs> yeah, very people. cheap effect. Very, yeah. very cheap. Some real Gilligan's Island shit's going to go on. I'm like, <laughs> all right, I could go for some fucking laughs. Let's, let's do this. But they don't. And they, even at the end when they get into the fucking gunfight and trips there, behind a fucking barricade and he's shooting with his right hand. I'm like, dude, take the glove off, roll your sleeve up. You could have like stealth gun around the corner. Like you've got the this gun. Yes. Yeah. Phantom limb, man. You I was actually expecting that. I was like, did, did I, you know, I'm like, I don't remember the, if there was a phantom gun moment in this fight, maybe there was. What were the but special no. effects of a floating gun? Just too much. Man, they just they just cash this little comedy beat in. They're just like, aha, Chirp has a mishap. His arm is cloaked. <laughs> Phlox really can't do anything. He's like, Phlox says, yeah, you just got blasted. Wear a glove, bro. <laughs> like, I don't know what to t- tell you. You're cloaked, I guess. You got hit with a bunch of radiation. Um, your arm's invisible, and you're probably going to die really young. I'm sorry. I mean, you do work with next to an unregulated nuclear <laughs> nuclear reactor, an experimental unregulated nuclear reactor every fucking day. I meant to ask you, where's the warp core actually at in Enterprise? I tried looking for some schematics, like real half-assed. It's is it the thing like between it's the long tube? It's that big long tube that's instead of it being standing up, it's laid out. I know, but on the ship, is it on the ship proper? Or is it that little like island towards the back? Between so, themselves. There is a spot in the secondary hall that's like circular mm-hmm. in the back, and that is where it's supposed to be. And that's my understanding. Okay, so it's it's separate from the saucer. Correct. It's in the secondary hall-ish part. There's a little secondary hall part. As okay. Far as, as far as I'm aware, that is where it's supposed to be. Gotcha. Um, it's not a fully developed secondary hall. It's just got this one piece. and that's Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That's what I understand. Like a little tab. Case. Yeah. Eventually, they'll get the ship. No, well, we'll get to that because that, that, that's another good comedy beat. <clears throat> we cut back over to Camp Warhammer. 
and again, it's hard to really put your thumb on what time frame they're supposed to in because you've got fighter jets with laser guns. You've got like some some World War Two era fascist dudes. And then their base has like this weird Pirates of the Caribbean jail cell. <laughs> Smooth sandstone, yeah. big imposing iron grates. Would and, not uh, hold Jack Sparrow under any circumstance. Right. And uh, no consideration whatsoever between Reed and Archer. Like, hmm, do you think they have this place bugged? As they're sitting there like, gosh, what are we going to do to hide the fact that we're aliens? And and all this other crazy stuff. Like, anytime in Star Trek, these guys just openly talk. No fucks to give. I'm just like, man, come on. No security uh, cameras in Voyager. <laughs> no bugs in prisons. You've got these huge bars that like you could throw a football through and there's a guard standing not that far away the, the archer and reed aren't even like hushed tones um interestingly though the universal translator maintains through this whole thing even after their communicators are taken far away from them well, that's a plot hole <laughs> that's just the straight plot hole yeah but once their communicators are no longer on their person that should not function for them anymore um, that should have been the sign that Reed didn't have his. Is, yeah. That's just the plot hole, man. They just forgot that's how it was supposed to work. Oopsies. <laughs> Oopsie doopsies. Yeah. Well, then again, like, you know, let's go back. Oh, look, it's Rick and and, and Brandon again. Mm-hmm. The ones who wrote it. Like, it's your canon, bro- boys. <laughs> You're not going to remember. No one else is. There's a little conversation between Reed and Archer here where they go, all right, what's the game plan? We can't say that we're space people, so we'll kind of lean into this. We'll, we'll just we'll play the, the 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 silent game and we'll see how that shakes out for us. They get dragged off. They got to go meet the commandant, the the leader guy. His name's Gosis. I'm looking at this guy's memory alpha wiki. I got some bad news for you, Joe. Mm-hmm. Leader guy. We've seen him before. He was czar from Live Fast and Prosper, which not bad. That's a good episode. Then he was Minister Cray in one of the, the all-time worst ex post facto. Ugh. No! This guy is a was for the leader real of- shithead. This, this... Uh... Yeah. He's in the penalty box big time. Well, at, le- at least Detective Tuvok was nowhere near this. Uh, they bring him in. He goes, hey, which one of you is the captain? Because, uh, spoiler alert, they finally tried calling your phone. Just so happened I was playing with it, and uh, I heard Paul asking for the captain. So the jig is up. You guys are spies. Uh, you must be a part of the, what do you call them, the rebellion? Whatever. The opposite side. You're the clear other guys. Your, yeah, you're, you're clear whatever the other dudes are. And they, they don't say anything. Archer gets all of his head wounds, you know, and he's like, nah, you, you truly are only unlocking my true power. And the, the kayfabe they come up with is instead of telling them the truth, because Archer is very much in the, in the zone of, we cannot contaminate their, their uh, culture any further. We can't tell them aliens are real. What are we going to tell them? Uh, oh, the beating, the head wounds do reveal that that's just latex and that they get slapped red. so hard that um, what happens is Archer's boner swipes his own forehead. 
Yes. It's just his rock hard erection intimidates all the aliens such that like no one on this planet has a dick that big. Clearly you must be some sort of stranger from another planet. And uh, they like do scans and, you know, put them in the MRI machine. They're like, again, you're fucking, you've got two kidneys, missing four vertebra. Like you've got iron in your blood. What the fuck is with that? Like, this is bullshit. And the kayfabe they go with is that they're genetically engineered super soldiers, (laughs) which, which is was pointed out to be like, oh, that's oh, we came up with the Sulaban thing. That's that's what we did. We're like, we'll just we'll just act like we're them. That's just kind of what's on I our mean, mind. We're gonna get saved in their spaceship. We might as well just you know ride get, that same train. Go, go the whole distance. I like that. That was just them riffing of like, uh, we're genetically engineered super soldier spies. Fuck. I mean, we we've run into those. It's a thing. <laughs> the the drama comes when. Archer and Reed are confronting the very uh, real possibility to them that they could wind up dead, um, hanged, in fact, (laughs) brutal, uh, as spies just to prevent further direct contamination of the civilization at hand um, by revealing that aliens are real. And, you know, Reed has clearly shown his willingness to die for the mission yeah i got that a couple times reed i'm not afraid sir yeah no shit you were like begging me to let you float off and get blown up by a romulan mine i know you have a death wish dude you tried in your pants because you didn't want to talk to me like this is nothing (laughs) we need to quit hanging out together we've been in many life-threatening situations like this is three within the same paycheck we need to just chill out um yeah so Dr. Packled, that's that's their chief, like, resident Dr. Mengler. This guy looks like a fucking Packled. That's true, he does. They're all sitting around like, oh my god, look how grotesque they are. Like you said, the, the, he's got kidneys and this other stuff. They try to sell him on, and that's basically uh, Archer's damage control. Like, oh fuck, we've really been found out now. Alright, I'm gonna acquiesce. Yeah, we are spies, we're super soldiers, this other bullshit. Get him out of here, because the Dr. Packled's like, Hey, these guys are aliens. And uh, uh, Minister Shithead goes, uh, you know, we've got satellite photos of your spaceship. And he starts putting together what's going on. And that's that's why Archer makes this. No, no, we really are spies. And you're silly. And, we, you know, we're basically your worst fears that the uh, enemy guys are more technologically advanced. That's all real. Like, I they recognize it by the end too. Like they almost do more damage with the lie than they would have by telling the truth. <clears throat> They're like, all right, get him out of here. We gotta, we gotta talk more. And that's when Dr. Pack like, basically you should let me dissect them. They're not being executed <laughs> because they're spies. This is why these guys are evil. They're being executed so they can study their organs. The episode's climax is the leading of Archer and Reed to the gallows, the literal, like there are nooses ready to hang them. Like they're very fancy poured concrete. These are efficient gallows. There's a lot of tech in these things. Like they do some hanging here, I guess. (laughs) And they're executing them. Like they've betrayed the night's watch. (laughs) They're just going to fucking string them up. And you know, they, 
they're going up the steps. Archer's like, no, you don't have to kill a Reed. And and he's like, yes, I do. I was an ex post facto. I must make up for this by killing the worst actor on your show. Oh, and, <laughs> oh I'm sorry. Mayweather's not there. Mm. And they lead him up the steps. And that is when uh, the rescue begins. I will note that to Paul is like finds out that the execution is going to happen. And it just like goes right down to the shuttle bay and is like trip. Get it ready. We're going. If the Here. captain's about to be executed, we're we're fucking going with whatever your fucking plan is. There is no like discussion of we have to let them die. It is let's ride. <laughs> we're bailing them out. That's happening. There's also the brand slash Rick Berman. Uh oh, there's only eight minutes left of the episode. We need to wrap this bitch up now. Remember that mm-hmm. B plot about how they can't get the cloak to work? Throw that in the trash. That ship, the cell ship, everybody piles in. There's three now. It's uh, well, maybe- I mean, it fit uh, Debo and, and sure, Archer. There's three people in the ship. It is shooting out of Enterprise, cloaking as it's going down. Zero fucking dialogue as to what Hail Mary trip pulled to get this fucking thing to work. For all intents and purposes, as far as that scene's concerned, that was worked out like half an hour ago and that's been working peachy. So well, I mean, it does fuck up on the way down, yeah, but so they it's... turn it on like before they can like get the door to turn invisible. Now the whole fucking thing's invisible. I'm like, well, I guess that plot line's over. Also real quick, uh, zero discussion as to using the transporter yet again. That's becoming a real thing. I've noticed like, yeah, yeah, just no, no, there is an episode in this season where transporter use gets specifically used as a, a plot device again, that I think you'll like, it's one of the better episodes of the season. That's not hard based on what we've seen. Yeah. (laughs) So they fly down there right as they got the nooses on them. They're about to die. There's a big noise. Uh, a door slowly opens up. There's a bright light, just invisibility. I'm sorry. It's, it's just a regular scene until a, a white door opens and I'm like, Oh, here comes Al to hang out with, <laughs> with Samuel Beckett to quantum. Cause you know, it looks like the door to the fucking holographic imaging chamber when Dean Stockwell would walk through in quantum leap. Nope. It's just a Florida man popping out. That's where I thought the invisible arm was going to come out and start. Zapping yeah. Let's just start zapping and be like, Holy shit. What the fuck is this? It's just an invisible gun shooting at us. So, but- uh, Someone got some studio notes from CBS or whoever the fuck was in charge. UPN, I guess, that said, mm-hmm. your gunfights suck. Please give us a good gunfight. And they do. They do. A, for a Star Trek, this is an excellent gunfight. There's a lot of, you know, that pose, that dramatic pose of like coming out from cover, but instead of like staying in cover and then like just having only a little piece of you actually revealed instead you like come out and you're like your whole body comes out and you like reach across your whole body to like dramatically shoot flourish your pistol yeah flourish your pistol like it's a fucking rapier like they do that over and over again it is a little much but it is makes it for a more interesting scene like and i'll say this Trip and T'Pol, they are good shots. They are capping these fucking <laughs> discount Nazis left and right. Like, boop, 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 boop. Also, like, real quick, I'd like to mention that. And it wouldn't matter by the end because they're going ape shit with the phasers here anyways. But I, I did like the the Nazis like looking at Reed's uh, face pistol and like blowing a hole in the wall and be like, wow, we this are fucked. Neat. 
<laughs> Do they have a bunch of these? Oh no, this is that's not good at all. There's no real clear advantage I feel like Starfleet has here, other than maybe the element of surprise. They shoot like 18 people. Nobody gets hit with any bullets at all. Again, silly scope of consequences here, but whatever. Uh, everybody gets gunned down. They're going to dip out. And then uh, Archer and we were like, well, we got to go get our stuff real quick, which was ordered to be kept under heavy guard because like this is the hottest shit on the whole planet, right? Mm-hmm. This is a pre-nuclear bomb society that just got access to fucking death rays. They go back into camp Warhammer. Instantly know where the fucking room is where the stuff's being kept. It's not in a safe. That's technology that the Nazis don't have. They don't have the power of <laughs> steel boxes. All the shit's just laying out on the table like free coffee at an AA meeting. There's one guy in there guarding and he's like looking in the corner playing with himself. They come in, they zap his ass, swoop up everything on the table Run the autopsy the- photos, the communicators, <laughs> the scanners, and the face pistol. It's all on this table. Every quest objective is just right there. And they're like, wait. <laughs> it is the antithesis of any Resident Evil game. All of the plot items oh, yeah. are right there. There's not even like a moat with sharks, or they didn't have to put a single jewel into a family crest to unlock the door. They soup everything, they run off. They jump back in. I'm assuming all the phase pistols were just set to stun and not kill. Yeah, it seems uh, obvious. And there is Minister Shithead, uh, you know, Commandant Goasis or whatever his name is, watching everybody pile into a uh, invisible door and then the ship take off. And I'm like, man, this this is terrible. They just fucked up. They might as well just... Uh, I did like <clears throat> back in the jail cell where they're kind of like they've almost resigned themselves to dying and they're like joking around a little bit. Archer's like, we could kidnap the commander and bring him up to Enterprise. I could give him the grand tour. We could have we could wine him and dine him and show him everything. And it's like basically the go to every time uh, in next gen, they had to like break prime directive and bring someone up and show him like this is this is the future. This is the ship. This is what you guys could ascend to. And he's like shitting all over it. But uh, they fly off and contaminate the fuck out of that culture. There's a little wrap up scene at the end where Archer's beating himself up a little bit, rightfully so. Uh, to Paul comes in. He's like, yeah, it's a good thing we got all that back. And she's like, "Uh, yeah, no, you we, we really we fucked up like big time. <laughs> yeah, like there's a little come to Jesus over it of like. Yeah, like we didn't leave them super tech, but we still convinced them that their enemies have genetically engineered super soldiers with ray guns and cloaked fighter jets. Like cloaked. that's not good either. Like we we probably just started a fucking war. Like they're those guys are definitely going to start putting their enemies in in every, some, some motherfuckers are going to get hanged. It's that, not those gallows are going to be a three shift operation here. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna install new efficient more efficient <laughs> gallows we can now hang three people at once and and we kind of wrap up there so uh the action sequence was uncharacteristically good for enterprise if not star trek as in general uh the ending was comically bad uh but over 
comically bad in like an enjoyable way. Uh, and overall, yeah, like as a world builder, I thought this was a strong one as just, is it good TV? I'd, I'd put it as meh, but certainly after the fucking shit we've been slogging through, this was a, a welcome fire to camp up next to for an episode. This is the kind of campy, low rent, you know, mid to early 2000s network TV shit I'm in for. You know, like when I wanted to watch Enterprise, this was the kind of thing where I'm like, okay, this is fine. This is fine. Like I I can, I can get by with this. This is perfectly cromulent Star Trek. And I, I don't know if it's the beating on the head and face we've taken watching fucking Carbon Creek. <laughs> Carbon and Creek wasn't even bad, man. It, it, you're right. Production-wise, that episode was not bad. It was just completely out of place. Out of place. Uh, Night in Sick Bay, Marauders, The Seventh. Like, those three, man. Like, whew, that was a lot to get through to get to this. And this was fine. This was perfectly fine. And I'm hoping we get a little bit of of, a, of of a break from the brutality. Like, I know there's some bad shit to come in season two. There is this episode that is, I think it's called Precious Cargo, that is coming up. That is just... Sounds like a children episode. I don't want to watch it. No. You know, it's got someone with the acting ability of a child. So that, <laughs> oh, Garrett's um, got... Garrett Wang shows up. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> you know, there, there's there's some bad episodes left here in season two. I will say it does pick up close to the end. Uh, people are pointing out regeneration, and then the, the last few episodes after that are very good, and I, I do agree. But, oh, man. After, after the... What do you want to call the trilogy of terror of Enterprise, right? Like Night and Sick Bay Marauders the Seventh. That was real rough. Trilogy of Turds. Trilogy of Turds. I like that too. I didn't even was the seventh really that bad? It fucking was, dude. Like Senator Kelly was in it, and that saved and we certainly had fun taking it apart. Yeah. That's but that's it was what's murking it up is that we had some good laughs at its expense. Um Yeah. That two is a rough season. We're going to be moving into season two, episode nine, though, which is singularity. Upon approaching a black hole, the crew starts exhibiting strange behavior and is uncharacteristically obsessive over trivial matters. Sounds kind of cool. We'll have some more space madness action here. Been a while. while. Yeah. Here's what's going to be interesting for me on this one. I'm looking at the production notes. This one is written by Chris Black and directed by Patrick Norse. No mention of Braga or Berman. So I, I want to see. Haven't any too many of absent of them. Yeah. So I want to see if uh, w- what we're getting once these guys are cut out of the picture at the stage. Agreed. Agreed, sir. And we will watch that together. We'll review that together. And uh, I'll be giving away a sticker by myself, <laughs> not with you. <laughs> And thanks for listening to Future Please, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>